0: beep boop. rebooting the lateral show a sideways look at fantasy football ladies, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen it's the lateral, lateral show, show. fast your, seat your seat belts, belts cuz here we, we go, go. the lateral show with your hosts herms and mclateral people welcome back ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the lateral show a sideways look at fantasy football be sure to follow the show on twitter at the lateral ff and my name is herms you can follow me on twitter at herms nfl still dealing with the covid still dealing with the blood clots and the ankles and the whatnot but hey We're finally back. It's been a couple weeks since our last episode, and I am joined once again after such a long time, McLateral. Hello! Yeats and
1: greets, people. What's up? Tis the season of the yeeting, and it is, of course, preseason. We're like halfway through the NFL preseason. Kind of wild to think about. It was only uh, a week ago that we were arguing about whether Kyle Pitts would be a Good tight end.
0: Oh my gosh, I can't (laughs) believe there was
1: a Kyle Pitts day, man. It's Kyle Pitts. I know, like we don't need to have this day.
0: We have so much. Well, plus we've just been talking about it forever. I don't understand why this still needs to be a topic. But for some reason, people just—I don't know. It's—it's a whole thing. What are you gonna do? Well, I mean, I, I think I have one pretty good idea as to what we could do. Maybe not necessarily about Kyle Pitts, but at least in terms of the next thing we can do with the podcast. You know him as one of the industry's most accurate experts over at Fantasy Six-Pack, a place where you can find a lot of my in-season written content coming up, and then also uh, the man responsible for hosting the lateral show on his network now. Hello! There's the announcement. It's Joe Bond.
2: Hello. What's up, guys? Uh, glad to be here. And uh, yeah, Herms, man, you are exactly right. You are moving. You are moving your house, man. You're moving your show over to us. Uh, you're going to obviously be able to find it all on all the same audio platforms, but you get to see him on video now on our mm-hmm. YouTube channel. That's where it's at, baby. So uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get you on board and, uh, and get things rolling, rock and rolling here. You've got a, got a lot that works for us, so I'm excited to see all of it. Absolutely. And, and let's be clear. We may
1: be called the lateral, but this is by no means a lateral move. This is, this is upward mobility. This is straight on <laughs> the it. Jeffersons, and I'm not talking Justin Jefferson. I'm certainly not talking Jamar Jefferson. No, I'm talking about moving on up the Jeffersons.
0: oh yes my dude and to be clear listeners because i kind of awkwardly introduced that yes the lateral show is going to be joining fantasy six pack if you missed watching us do live videos and stuff and you're just like i love listening to these guys but what happened to the video content why is that not happening anymore Over at the Fantasy Six Pack YouTube. That's where we're going to be. We're we're back. We're going to be on camera again. It's going to be so wonderful. And honestly, Joe, just thank you so much for even, you know, giving us the opportunity to do that and be part of your audience. It's it's something that we're very excited about.
2: Absolutely, man. Easy decision for me. So I'm happy to do it.
0: Hell yeah, my dude, you know, but I, I, I will say, though, I will say there are some difficult decisions that we've had to make in terms of narrowing down our list of players that we are planting our flag on for the 2022 season. But, you know, we came to, you know, deciding who's going to be on that list. We've each picked a player, a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And we've also picked a DST and later toward the end, McLateral has a kicker. He wants to talk about it. Right. I do. We still, (laughs) we we still play with kickers. So, you know, I was Linda for that. (laughs) We, well, you know, maybe next episode but at any rate that is the topic for the show this week we're gonna plant the flag we're gonna call out our guys at each of these positions and you know if you've been listening to the show long enough I'm sure you could probably make educated guesses about who we're going to pick but I think there might be some surprises so I don't know stick around for the rest of the show that's gonna be the main topic but um before we get going with that uh we got some news and then we also have a quick uh soapbox on my soapbox from our good friend McLateral. What is up? Well,
1: you know, past 24 hours I've really been thinking. And like we see all this crazy stuff on the internet every day. Just wackos, nut jobs, people just spouting off insane things, doing crazier things. And we just need to not give it our attention. If we do not give it our attention, then it cannot succeed, it cannot grow, it cannot prosper. And I am, of course, talking about the glizzy straw. The fact that we are fueling this hype train is absurd, it's ludicrous, and that man was wearing a Ralph Lauren Yankees hat, and I'm sorry. It was staged, and we all bought it, and that's enough of that. Do not give the glizzy straw more of your bandwidth. Do not let these people get you.
0: Jesus
2: Christ.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad that we discussed the glizzy on the show because, it. well, first of all, anytime you get to say the word glizzy, always so much fun. But then also, yeah, I mean, it was fun. The other fun. thing is I knew
1: you had no clue I was going <laughs> to go there. Like, not at all. I knew I could, like, just, oh, this one time.
0: Yes, that was... It was Pretty good. It it was amusing for about 10 minutes, but I I definitely got over it very, very quickly. I don't understand why it was even still talked about on the timeline today. Joe, I don't know if you have any thoughts about the Glizzy Straw Uh. that you want to share.
2: Davis Pang and Preston White from Fantasy Six Pack. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, uh, they have posted their own videos doing it because Underdog did a promotion saying that you win something if you're like one of the best videos or drinking out of a Glizzy Straw. And I literally would have vomit every single time I see this thing. I'm just like, no, 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 enough, enough. Stop it. Please stop it. It's a waste, it. waste
1: of a hot dog. It is a waste of a beer. There is no point to this.
0: It's not great. Yeah. It's, definitely it's not it's great. bad. But you know, that's it's the thing about the internet. You know, with the thing, trends come and go. Weird uh, viral videos happen all the time. Hopefully, we just never have to deal with it again. That's my hope. That is my personal hope. But preseason hype is forever. That is true. Preseason hype is forever, and that is a segue into you talking about the thing. Next segment. Oh, yeah,
1: a little, a little weird for me to segue into my own thing. uh, But that's what we're doing here, and so we're calling this segment here. Underreacting, overreacting, you know, smoke or fire. You, you you get the gist. You've done this drill before. Basically, we got a couple guys here, a couple news pieces, and we're gonna see if we are gonna underreact, overreact, or just the right amount of react to this news. And uh first things first, because it's probably the most recent of these, and that is that Daryl Williams is apparently reported to be a surprise cut candidate or trade candidate. And I have to ask, Kerms, this news, are you underreacting? Are you overreacting? Are you doing just the amount? Like, how are you handling this?
0: I think I'm doing the appropriate level of reacting because, you know, even if we just, you know... Kind of go back in time a little bit when Daryl Williams first signed on with the Arizona Cardinals. Like there was a void in that backfield with Chase Edmonds moving on to Miami, for somebody to step up and be the guy behind James Connor. It's something that they like to do to be able to split up the workload between the two of them. That's not an uncommon thing, and I think we all really enjoyed what we saw from Daryl Williams last year in his stint with Kansas City, taking over for Clyde edwards Alaire. But there was also and also has been a consistent stream of beat reporters talking about how Eno Benjamin has been doing a lot better than he has in you know recent years in camp and stuff. So the two things kind of happening concurrently make it so that I feel as though at least that I'm reacting appropriately insofar as I've moved Eno Benjamin up to my RB 52 in my rankings a little bit closer to where I had Daryl Williams before with the understanding that he's the guy behind James Conner. And I mean, Williams, he's he's fallen down into the, uh, the big tier uh, that I like to just call the tier of abyss, where there were one more news thing happening from just being completely irrelevant. So I don't know. That's just my read on it. I don't know. Well, Joe, what's your read on this? Are
1: you how are you reacting to the Darrell Williams news?
2: You know, <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. I, I I've had a uh, pretty crazy day. Uh, my son's been sick and uh, dealing with car issues, so I I actually missed this news until uh, you mentioned it before the show. <laughs> so I've got to give you a uh, a uh, reaction, you know, off the cuff here, but. <sighs> I, I am actually pretty surprised to hear this. I mean, you know, they brought him in, right? And you would think that, you know, I mean, yeah, he's only guaranteed like a million, but I mean, yeah. it's still guaranteed a million bucks, right? Like, you'd think you'd pay this guy who's been, you know, decent in the past. And really, what this tells me is we need to be paying a lot more attention to James Conner. There it is. <laughs> a lot more attention to James Conner. Let's be real, guys. Like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, I've already got him RB-16. I might have to move him up a couple spots. Like, that's, that's the real deal. Like, if we're I don't – I'm not honestly really worried about anybody else behind him too much.
0: I got right. him bumped up to my RB-12. That's just me personally. I mean, yeah. Lateral. how about you? I mean, I I want to know where you're at with this. I mean, James Conner's been my
1: RB-9.
2: So, mm.
1: I, I was already, like, high. I don't think I'm going to move right. him any higher. Okay. No, mm.
2: I don't think you could do that either, yeah. but that's –
1: I was like, but yeah, I mean, like James Conner, like I, even as much as I liked Daryl Williams, like Daryl Williams was never going to threaten James Conner in the way that Chase Edmonds did. But the beauty of Daryl Williams is you knew he could be a reliable fill-in if James Conner ultimately got injured. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not as sold on, Eno Benjamin doing that. So I'm probably not going to overreact on the, you know, Benjamin side of things. However, I'm going to fully panic on the Daryl Williams side of things. Like <laughs> yeah. he is undraftable at this point, you know, yeah. if you get him off of waivers, cause he ultimately sticks around and makes it great. But like, there are just better options for you with your draft pick in most leagues, obviously, you know, if you're in a league deep enough, but at this point I probably would have, you know, Benjamin ranked ahead of him as most likely to be the RB two in Arizona. So you'd have to be going pretty deep to get to the point where you're going to take Daryl Williams, and unfortunately, I'm left holding the bag and Scott Fishbowl on that one. But it is what it is.
2: Drafting best draft, <laughs> yeah. <I> don- early, <laughs> early July, I mean. Oh my
0: gosh! Yeah, I, I I I drafted Ronald Jones. I'm now I'm still dealing with that. <laughs> you know, oh
2: no, like no. <laughs> I haven't led my team in a while. Hopefully, none kind of us scary. drafted this next
1: guy because another running back that may be in trouble is Kenyon Drake. But the curious bit is, are we now seeing an increased role for Zamir White, who is the one of two running backs basically brought in by this coaching administration? One of three, maybe? You know, like, Kenyon Drake was surplus to requirement, clearly, it seems, and wasn't brought in by Josh McDaniels. Josh Jacobs seems to be going a similar route. He's just too good to be simply cast aside the way that they cast aside or potentially casting aside drake and so the question joe i will go to you first how are you reacting to this are you going to overreact on zamir white are you going to underreact on Kenyon drake how is this going to hit you how are you going to change your mind on this
2: i'm definitely moving drake down quite a bit not maybe as far as williams but I think, you know, at this point, he's still not signed. I mean, running backs can fill in, you know, they can sign and and fill in pretty easily. I mean, it's
1: hand see hole,
2: hit hole most of the time, right? Let's be
1: honest. A lot of the talk has been about if Daryl Williams is gone or the reason Daryl Williams is potentially going is because Arizona's got familiarity with Kenyon Drake, which I don't fully buy into, to be fair, but it has been floating
0: around.
2: That's uh that's that's definitely an interesting an interesting take and uh I mean there there could be a lot there there could be a lot of a, a lot of credence to that that rumor there I, I I could buy into that but I mean as far as the the rest of this uh you know the this Oakland or Vegas sorry what no Oak, uh, Oakland was running game name uh, <laughs> <laughs> right we we all wish man it's just the Oakland Raiders like it just sounded so much better um. That was a, a terrible attempt at a Berman, by the way. Um, yeah, so, so Samir White. Um, I mean, he, he, yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he is a guy who this, this administration has brought in, you know, this coaching staff has brought in, but he just hasn't really impressed even this preseason so far. So it's kind of like, I mean, I know preseason, preseason, but these are the types of guys that if they're going to get really like a lot of hype, you can't just do it because oh, the opportunity's there. You gotta do it because the A, the opportunity and the performance in the preseason has been there. And it just doesn't feel like it has. So I'm just yeah. I I'm not I'm not getting overly excited about some White. I know some are, but I'm not. You know, I'm a little bit more excited about James or uh what the um Josh Jacobs right now, but I want to say James Conner. But uh
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm more excited. Even about that's just sort of like it
2: feels like this coaching staff just really wants to go because it's a McDaniel's offense wants to go full on committee like in New England, and it really sours me on the whole situation. Regardless.
1: Yeah, I I get that. I personally, I've got Josh Jacobs at RB 21, and I don't think I'm going to move him down. This is got guy 22. Who, he has flirted with or been an RB1 pretty much his entire career. So I think to fully sell him out is a mistake, but, you know, there's no loyalty for sure. Yeah, I, so... I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to keep Jacobs about where he is. Zamir White ultimately, like while he has flashed at times in college, there's a reason he was a day three pick and I'm just not going to overreact to it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. There are other guys I can overreact to instead like Damian Pierce or Brian Robinson, where I just feel more confident that I'm going to get some positive outcomes out of.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't know, though. Like the, the the thing I'll kind of push back on, at least in you know, just transitioning into my kind of read on it, I was already pretty interested in what Zemir White has shown at times in the preseason already. So for me, like, I'm not really reacting at all simply because, like, I kind of expected he was going to leapfrog Kenyon Drake at some point anyway. But now, but that said, I'm not going to go too far out on a limb because I, I do want to inform the listeners that I only have Zamir White as my RB 50. Like, I'm not saying like, hey, this dude's going to yeah. you know leap because there are other rookie running backs in backfields with established veterans that I do have higher. And some of the names that you just mentioned, Malcolm, like, I mean, I have him behind Damian Pierce. I have him behind Brian Robinson. I have him behind even Tyler Algier just slightly. So it's like, you know, it's not one of these things where we can take a look at the Kenyon Drake news and be like, Oh, here it is. (laughs) Because like, yeah, McDaniels does have, you know, the history coming over from new England. It could be a committee, but you know, it, it doesn't really move the needle for anybody in particular, because all it just did was, you know, make it so that the leftover guy is no longer leftover. He, Kenyon Drake was hard to figure out how to value anyway. And now that he's probably not going to be on the team, I mean, I at least for my rankings personally, if you're not on an NFL roster, you're out of my rankings because I only rank like the top 100 running backs. Anyway, like at least my top one, yeah. So I have a list that goes to 104. I'm going to try very
1: few free agents. To be fair, that merit ranking at this point. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah I think define. they're all wide
0: receivers. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's yeah. You know,
2: I, that, that's it's the Will Fuller. So you know when they land, it's like all right that's that'll, that'll be all right <laughs> most likely
0: yeah like so uh, unless it's something like that I just I don't have any sort of reaction for those guys so that's the Herms read on the situation at least
1: well I, I think uh, that's oh wait no I think we likely have one more thing oh. we have to cover oh. because apparently Isaiah oh. likely is the real breakout tight end nah. this class. <laughs> no 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 you Greg Dulcich truthers no 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 It's Isaiah Likely that will be taking things by storm. Jelani Woods barely knew him. It's all about Likely, who had a phenomenal game in the preseason, which, as we all know, doesn't matter. And the Ravens (laughs) haven't lost a preseason game in 22 games at this point. It might even be 23. Um, It certainly will be after next week when they probably win again, because, again, the preseason doesn't matter. Um, Herms how are you reacting to the chance that Isaiah likely might be a meaningful part of this Ballmer offense that to be fair is kind of looking for a third target. Like we kind of know who the top two are going to be and that's about it.
0: Yeah, dude. And you know, we talk about this on the show a lot, you know, just because of at least, you know, I mean, you no longer live in this area geographically anymore, but where we're from, we're in the DC Baltimore Exactly. you know, so <laughs> your, your, your essence and aura is still around us but you know but living in like the, the sort of dc baltimore you know market like we see a lot of both the commanders and the ravens like half the people in our home league are ravens fans so we get a lot of exposure to that and anybody that you know watches the ravens or pays attention to what they do they will tell you like for fantasy purposes we only think of mark andrews but for like actual practical nfl purposes they cycle out in and out a bunch of tight ends in that formation it's one of the foundations of the offense like you know like nick boyle is a name that we you know always Andrews
1: was like the tight end for when he started his rookie
0: year exactly like you know they they have that group of guys that they have different responsibilities but it seems they've carved something out interesting for likely which is why like i'm not gonna go like super far overboard with it but like he, at the very least, because I don't really rank anything, I think, more than 40 tight ends. Once I get down to 40, I cut it off. I don't think about mm-hmm. anybody after that. I put him at, in my rankings, at least. Like, he appears on the list now. Like, Where do you have him? I probably, like, at the very end. I'm going to click over real quick and vamp for a minute, but, like, that's, you know, the fact is I, I even...
1: I have him at tight end 32. I've got him right above Dulcich, um, right below Farrow Brown, Because Farrah Brown's kind of the last starter that I think is remotely rankable, basically. I mean, sure there's Adam Troutman at tight end 35, but the less said about that, the better. But yeah, I I think he honestly has supplanted Dulcich for me amongst the top rookie tight end, in my opinion.
0: I mean, maybe. You know, I I have likely have them right next to
1: each other. For what it's worth.
0: Gotcha. Um, I have Isaiah likely at tight end forty, according to my fancy fantasy pros widget that appears on our website, thelateralff.com, where you can find my rankings. Uh it, it's right in line with ECR currently. But you know, if I continue to see some of these reports that like they're really hyped about getting him involved, and as you mentioned, looking for a third option in the passing game, it doesn't have to be a receiver. I've seen some people try and make the case for a Devin Duvernay or something like that. But if it just ends up being the pecking order of Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman as some sort of like 1A, 1B type thing, because if you look last year, Andrews and Marquise Brown actually had very similar target shares. So if it's a split responsibility among the top two and there's just a third body being Isaiah Likely, like they even said it on the broadcast, you know, and I don't think it's the worst type of comparison in the world to make but he kind of looked like a mini Darren Waller out there like that's how good I thought he was at least just in that one game so if they really want to integrate him if you're especially like a 16 teamer or you know anything kind of like that with like a tight end premium like you you really should at least take a look at having likely stashed on your bench at that point because if you're playing in a deep enough league like that you probably have the bench spots to do it so but yeah I mean for 10 12 teamers I don't know, maybe keep a the little flag button like on ESPN for like the watch player, quote unquote, like maybe do that. But deeper league considerations, I think you kind of just have to in a tight end premium, just take a shot, leave them on your bench. And if something doesn't happen, then there are a billion other random tight ends we're not thinking about right now. That'll be pretty good.
1: All right, Joe, what about you? How are you reacting to the Isaiah likely heat starting to really uh, <sighs> intensify here?
2: Yeah, I mean a, a lot. A lot of what Herm said, you know, it really, it really comes down to. I mean, like your your league and your format and things like that. Like, look, in Scott Fish, I guarantee when waivers open, he's he's gonna be hot. Like people are gonna <laughs> yeah. go after him, right? Because it's tight end premium. We have twenty two roster spots. Um, I mean, so it's he's gonna be he's gonna be a hot commodity pretty early. But I wouldn't go crazy about it. You know, you know what. I hate to call you guys out, but like at the same time, like you guys talked about how like the tight end two on the team can be viable. It hasn't been viable in years, guys. Like literally almost nothing. I mean, the most points 23 out of Boyle in 2020. Um uh six out of Josh Oliver last year.
0: I mean, it's much more viable for like actual NFL football. Yeah, like from so, that standpoint it matters. But yeah, for fantasy, not. Nah.
2: Fa- I mean, I guess when they had andrews and hearst in 2019
0: yeah that's Hurst more what i'm thinking
1: just because decent, but 46 likely.
2: only still so sure. like, i don't know maybe it's just it's not gonna be a consistent enough thing and it, it's it's ultimately gonna come down to uh you know and, and andrews injury for likely to have good enough yeah. value in my opinion he's just not he's just not gonna be rosterable
1: I think for me, the thing is like, you're probably not going to roster him in a lot of leagues, but this is probably the worst wide receiver core that the Ravens have ever had, which is saying something for a team that perennially has terrible wide receiver cores. Yeah. Like even going back to those tight end groups you talked about, like last year you had Rashad Bateman and Marquise Brown at times, like you just don't have that. And if Isaiah would likely he's doing well, catching the ball and Devin Duvernay is nothing special I don't see a reason why they won't throw to Isaiah likely now, granted they have typically when they do two tight ends, they tend to have a blocking primary and receiving primary tight end. But I think, you know, I mean, Isaiah likely was one of two tight ends, I think drafted. Charlie Kohler. I think was the other one. And like people thought Kohler could potentially, you know, be ahead of likely in the pecking order. I think he was got he received higher draft capital. Mm -hmm. So the C likely really start to make an impression. It's at least interesting. It's at least like worth keeping an eye on, especially because I think like how we thought of Foster Moreau in the past, if Darren Waller were to go down, mm-hmm. Isaiah likely if Mark Andrews were to go down could be massive off the waiver. rule. Oh, hundred
2: percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. Like, I mean, you got to remember this is going to be a very high running volume team. So, yeah. yes, they're going to have Andrews out there as you know, the receiving tight end likely might stay in at the pass block. So, that's that'd be my guess. But I mean, he'll get his. There's going to be games where you're like, damn it, you know, he'll be a DFS darling, in my opinion. <laughs>
0: There's a decent chance, man. There is. All right. Well,
1: I think it's, uh, I mean, likely doesn't seem like someone we're going to plant our flag on, per se. (laughs)
2: But I think we
1: do have a list of guys that we will be planting our flag on this season.
0: That is true. Yes. Oh, Honestly, I had a blast recording this episode last year, and I didn't go back to jot down the names because I just didn't care to reflect on whether we were right or wrong or not. It's a new season. We have a whole new group of people that we are very excited about. So let's get into that right now we're going to plant the flag these are the players that we're just say hey this is my dude i'm going to have him on as many teams as i possibly can and here are some of the fun reasons why and we will start at the quarterback position uh we will start with our guest you know just because i mean you, you have to it's, it's the polite thing to do uh so joe why don't you go ahead and tell us who your quarterback is that you are planting your flag on for the 2022 season
2: i I've got two, but i know I need to pick one, so I'm going to ultimately say Jalen hurts there you go and here's and here's my reason, so my reason is that i mean look is as inefficient as he is passing the ball he does now have a j brown, which can only help right mm-hmm. um and we know the rushing is there i mean I had him last year in now the league that you're going to be a part of Herms, the crab cake <laughs> league with uh, Scott Simpson and and a uh, whole bunch of that crew there here in Maryland. So I got him pretty late in that league and was, and was very happy. Now you're not going to get him late this year, but you can get him as the last legitimate, trustworthy running quarterback. Now I know Trey Lance is going after him and I like Trey Lance too, but there is way more risk with Trey Lance than there is with Jalen Hurts, in my opinion. So you can get Jalen Hurts as the last legitimate good rushing quarterback that you can feel really, really good about going getting out of your drafts. Now, if I miss on him, I'm just waiting for the last, like, you know, pocket passer out of, like, the Brady, the Dax, the Staffords, the Wilsons, even the Rodgers. Like, I'm just waiting for whichever one's last and just taking that. And so it's been Stafford in a couple of my leagues, and I've been happy with it. Just huh? praying the elbow stays intact.
0: <laughs> oh, true. 100%. And just for context, and we will periodically sprinkle this in throughout the show, listeners. Uh, per four for 444.com's multi-site ADP, Jalen Hurts is going as the QB6 off the board, average uh, draft pick of the fifth round six pick, so the 506 in 12 team leagues. That's about where Hurts is going in drafts uh if you have anything to say about jalen hurts definitely go for it but uh joe did mention the guy that you're gonna plant your flag on so i'll let you take it from here
1: yeah so i mean jalen hurts that's about where he should be going i have him ranked as my qb6 fantasy pros has him as qb7 and adp like yeah that's probably about right he's like not quite as sure a thing as some of these other guys but he's pretty damn good and we expect him to be pretty damn good especially in terms of fantasy with the rushing he has um and Trey Lance isn't as trustworthy that's what will make Trey Lance special this year if you take him as like QB14 QB13 and he pops off you got a serious value but the real value this year is Aaron Rodgers like seriously Aaron Rodgers and granted I have him ranked as my QB11 I think another guy right there is also Russell Wilson at QB10. The fantasy pros ADP has him flipped with Aaron Rodgers at QB10 and Russell Wilson at QB11 in terms of ADP. But it's like for me, especially with Rodgers, it is a floor ranking because he has the least amount of weapons at his disposal that he ever has. But if we look at him historically, like over the past couple of years, the worst he's done is QB10. Last year, uh, I think he was QB three. No, two years ago was QB three. And then last year, I think was QB seven. Checking my notes here real quick. One to 17 QB seven last year. Let's add in that pesky week 18 goes up to QB six. So you get an idea here. It's like, this guy is good. We know he's good. He may be crazy, but we know he's good. (laughs) Um, And and Just like for me, like I had a homely draft the other day. I took him in round 14 just because it could like I, he's just he has a chance to be acute to be a QB one pretty much as a lock. He has a chance to be the QB one overall, though, admittedly, it's pretty diminished, especially with guys like Allen and Herbert able to both sling the ball and even Mahomes sling the ball and get some touchdowns with their legs, you know. Rodgers at this age isn't quite doing the scrambling so much that he used to like a little earlier on. Though he still gets like three rushing touchdowns a year. So for me, it's just like, yeah, it's kind of a safe bet. But that is the beauty of planting your flag in Aaron Rodgers this year. It's an incredibly safe bet that's pretty much guaranteed to give you even money. At worst, like
0: barring injury, it's a pick that shouldn't bust. Yeah, you know, and and just to, you know, kind of give some context around that, obviously, as anybody who remembers the first three years of his career, he sat behind Brett Favre. So, you know, finishing QB 70, 57 and 50 in his first three years from 2005 to 2007. Yeah, we can easily brush that total aside. seven
1: games over those three years.
0: Yeah. So it's like we know the reason why. But I have it pulled up just looking at his history since becoming a starter. He has finished lower than QB 11 you know this is per fantasy pros here but that was 2013 the first time he did finish 24th that was in nine games and in 2017 he got hurt against yeah seven so it's like you know i i am a little bit nervous that because of the lack of weapons with devonta adams leaving they could become a more run heavy team than they have been in the past but you know you bring it up I check the notes, I check the stats, and I'm like, well, damn, I really got to stop being so nervous about it. Because right, he you find a way. A, exactly, he yeah. finds a way. They didn't just give him the NFL MVP the last two years for just shits and giggles, you know? <laughs>
1: There's a reason. And he's honestly kind of throwing less than he ever has. Like, last year he threw 531 times. The, time, the year before, 526. A year before, 500, 569 year before 597 the last full season before that 610 like he has already been doing more with less and there's no reason to expect he can't continue to do that as long as his throwing mechanic and his vision are fine and you know aside from tripping on ayahuasca i see no reason for either of those things to change
0: yeah that's true you know i mean the it- it's it's really hard to discount a player like that because, you know, you see it time and time again over the course of several years and until they show you that they can't do it, there's really no reason to believe that they can't, which leads me perfectly into my quarterback, boom, that I will be planting my flag in this year. And that is one Mr. Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings, because I'll tell you what, folks, there's really no reason not to believe in Kirk Cousins i hear it a lot you know It's like oh well you know he doesn't offer a ton of upside you know he's kind of a boring pick but you know every time we do waiver wire stuff in year you know like we talk kirk cousins is the best option off the waiver wire he's always the best option because he should really just be on your team so the last time that kirk cousins finished lower than qb 15 overall was 2014 anybody want to guess when he became a starter in the nfl (laughs) 2014 2015 so i was
1: gonna say yeah you
0: know since becoming a starter he's never finished lower than that and i talk about this in an upcoming article that will be coming out on fantasy6pack.net uh since taking over as a starter in the nfl he ranks fourth in passing touchdowns with 205 13th in passing yards per game with 266.3 and fifth in completion percentage, basically damn near right there, two thirds of the time, like 67.7%. So that's where he's at. He is accurate. He gets enough yards for you and he tosses touchdowns. That's just what he does. We saw it when he was with the commanders and, you know, there were a couple seasons there where his quarterbacks coach, Kevin O'Connell working under Sean McVay, you know, those two guys went out. He was on the, you know, O'Connell specifically. He was on the coaching staff with McVay for a little bit out in Los Angeles as well. And now he's the Vikings head coach. They're reunited. It's a guy he's familiar with. It's a guy he's worked with. So it's like all of these things coming together. And the fact like, come on, your lead receiver being Justin Jefferson, man. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, like I'll take the guy that's throwing to arguably the best young receiver in the NFL like there's a huge easy case to make for that should you so choose now you can say the same thing about jamar chase or something if you want to but i i I make my point pretty solid it's boring it's always unremarkable nobody's ever in love with drafting kirk cousins but when has it ever bit you in the ass it just doesn't so like quit overthinking it Hey, the nfc north we got two quarterbacks representing from this division so that's where i'm planting my flag so that yeah
2: Cousins, Cousins is just one of those guys, man, that like you can get pretty late. Now, maybe not as late, because people are catching on. Like, you know, Scott Fish he went yeah. pretty early. Now that format really plays into his favor. Totally different uh, ball game. Right, totally different ballgame. But people are starting to buy into him a little bit. And he's going, he's going like, you know, QB 13, 14 in drafts. I've I've seen, you know, when people start taking their backups. Mm. Um my thing with it, like, so yeah, he he's boring and he doesn't have that like massive upside right that like you know a lot of, that's why he doesn't go higher but that's the thing with him like he's not going to lose you the week more you know he, he might not be the reason you win but guess what you can get him late enough that you can stack your team so much in all the other positions and even get like premier backups for some of your running back and receivers that like taking a cousins later is well worth it.
0: Bingo, dude. You know, and once again, as I referenced previously, the uh four for four ADP. Kirk Cousins, QB fifteen off the board on average, going at pick 910, even later than Aaron Rodgers, QB eleven at seven oh eight. So I mean that's two rounds later for a similar type thing. Like those are I mean, those are rounds that you can get a lot of pretty
2: interesting players, man. Like Cousins has finished his QB eleven the last two years, like Guys, you can't ignore that. I <laughs> don't. QB 11, two years in a row. And, like, everybody goes, no, you're lying. Oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> they there go look is. at it. It's just like, okay, sure. Exactly. And that's
0: why we, we picked three really good quarterbacks here. Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins. That is where we are going with planting our flags this year. Now we can move over to the running back section of things. And, McLateral, I will start with you this time. Who is the running back that you are enthusiastic about that maybe recent beat reports are not as enthusiastic about? Teaser. Yeah, those beat reports can suck it. Um,
1: (laughs) Seriously, it's Brees Hall. Like, why are we overcomplicating this? It's the day two running back. It's the top drafted running back from this class. Like, it's Brees Hall. What I are smell, we doing? I smell of
2: Jonathan Taylor from two years ago. What?
1: It's <laughs> like the guy was very talented in college. He was pretty much the consensus RB1 coming out prior to the draft. He was the consensus RB1 coming out after the draft. So like not a CEH situation where all of a sudden we got stars in our eyes after the draft. Like CH was nobody's top running back going into that draft and then became like everyone's top running back coming out of that draft, you know, some Jonathan Taylor for sure. And even a smattering of JK Dobbins, but that was like about it. And like with this, it's started as Brees Hall. It's been Brees Hall. It's still Brees Hall. And we see running backs perform really well in their rookie year time and time and time again, like, look at the guys he's going uh, that I have him ahead of in my ranks. And you got Leonard Fournette beat up offensive line, came into camp out of shape, has Rashad white competing for touches with him. Ezekiel Elliott, the wheels have kind of been falling off. Now he may come back healthy. He may get utilized, but like Tony Pollard has not been nothing. Javante Williams is in a timeshare. Nick Chubb is in a timeshare and his QB situation is legitimately insane at this point. Aaron Jones has AJ Dillon competing with him. They're my 16 and 18 and sandwiched in between Saquon Barkley, who we haven't seen a healthy season from like what's not to love about a guy who we know is healthy and a team we know is going to use the running back. And he is good. We all know he's good. Let's not overthink this. That's why it's my RB 11. And I feel really good about it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, for additional context, I was actually I responded to a a tweet earlier today and did some digging. Uh, I I can't remember the name of the author of this article, but it came from Dynasty Nerds. So shout out Dynasty Nerds. Uh, Since 2015, 19 rookie running backs have posted a top 24 season and 12 have produced an RB1 Finish So inside the top 12, this happens pretty frequently. And, you know, to kind of put more clarity on the camp reports that I was alluding to, there are some people saying, ah, Michael Carter is still the RB1. And even let's suppose it is true, even for the early part of a season you know joe you kind of whispered there for a little bit the jonathan taylor type thing he still had to get past marlon mack which unfortunately the achilles you know him popping it in week one you know kind of helped a little bit for taylor's case but it still took him a little while and, and it's they not didn't uncommon. really use
2: him as much that's that's yeah. kind of where i was going
0: True. So it's like, even if it does kind of, or even JK Dobbins in his rookie year, like it did take a little while for that to happen, but when it finally hit, it finally hit and the year end totals will reflect this running back finished extremely high overall. So worst case scenario, Brees Hall is still probably going to be fine. And McLateral, if it works out the way that you think it does, which I also kind of think it does as well, the is really really good you know i bumped him down mm-hmm. a little bit to my 13 just because of the makai becton news But sure. it's a small fall he's still awesome but like the jets were kind of a mess last year and
1: michael carter still finished rb 29 in ppr scoring with 11 points per game across 14 games which was better than saquon barkley yeah like <laughs> yeah. you
2: know it wasn't again good for barkley
1: am i saying that michael carter is a better running back when they're both healthy no Not saying that, but like, you just like there is value in this Jets offense somewhere and someone is going to capitalize on it. And the most likely option is that it's Brees Hall. There's a couple wide receivers that, you know, have a chance, but like Brees Hall will get rushes. He has the ability to catch balls out of the backfield. Michael Carter, like had health issues last year. Maybe some will still linger. Like there's just a lot going for him on top of the fact that he's a really good running back.
0: Mm-hmm. so just let this serve as a reminder everything i said earlier about the number of rookies that have finished in the top 24 since 2015 it just you know don't let the fact that he's on the jets be a thing it's the worst argument that people can make if a running back is talented enough more often than not they can overcome whatever quote-unquote bad situation they're in with volume and we kind of think Brees hall is going to get that so glad that you decided to plant your flag there it's somebody that i certainly considered uh joe you ended up going with somebody that i was like <laughs> so close to picking because we talked about him on this show a lot but i figured if i didn't somebody was going to select this guy to talk about
2: yeah i, w- I was so glad when you sent me your list and i was like oh i mean easy easy pick for me uh it's tn um yeah the- I mean, come on, this guy was, if not, you know, like the best running back coming out of last year, you know, last year's class, it was, you know, the second best running back. I mean, they were like 1A, 1A, right? I mean, it it was so close. This kid's talented. I know the Jaguars are still sort of a mess, but (laughs) they're way better off than they were last year. (laughs) Um, I just, I just do not see a way that he doesn't finish in the, you know, mid to upper part of RB two and has that RB one potential for sure. Uh, the, you know, he is a very shifty and very strong runner. He can catch passes. Um, the offense is clearly going to be better. I mean, he didn't even play last year. So I mean, like, you know, I, I know there's that risk, but this guy was a premier talent coming out of college. And I just, It's going to show on the field. I'm just, I know there's all the, you know, there are concerns about James Robinson, you know, now that he's not on the pup and he's going to play, but I, they don't draft Travis Etienne if they really have a lot of faith in James Robinson, in my opinion. I I do think J Robinson will be involved, but I mean, what, how, you can count on one hand how many teams don't have like multiple running backs they're going to use consistently, right? So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's be real. It's like oh, yeah. five teams. So the fact that ETN is getting buried in drafts, I have him almost everywhere because of it. Like, and I'm I need to stop drafting him because it's almost like too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are those people. I am those people. <laughs> McLaren is those people. We are those people. We are. We've talked about Travis ETN so much for this exact reason. And you know, on the show that the pace of play of a Doug Peterson offense just night and day compared to what it was going to be last year with urban Meyer, the connection he has with Trevor Lawrence going back to Clemson, everything's there for him. I mean, McClateral, is there anything else to say that we have not already said about ETN over the last God, two months? I feel like. If you play PPR, there's
1: no reason to be like down on Travis ETN.
0: Yeah. I mean honestly like the 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 kind of sneaky thing that I think is kind of fun to do if you really would just want to game the system of ADP uh try and look into possibly <laughs> getting Alvin Kamara and Travis Etienne if you would just mm. want to double down on that archetype because it's it's really possible to do here folks 4 for 4 ADP suggests Alvin Kamara RB8 on average, being selected at the 203, Travis Etienne all the way down at RB19 at the 409. This is something you can do. <laughs> this is get a
2: couple you- receivers in between. Yeah, baby. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just throwing love it out it. there. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, but you know, it's something
1: to no, I'm, I've got a league where I paired Najee Harris with Travis Etienne, and I feel really good
2: about it. That's, that's nice. I've done that a couple times yeah. too, man. I mean, <laughs> like the so great thing fun. is like
1: Jalen Waddle is also my wide receiver four on that <sighs> team. So like, you know, gotta love that and that's the thing like if you can wait on some keenan allen grass, your other
2: receiver that's just like ppr gold
1: <laughs> no no, I've got, I've got like aj brown all right i've got jalen wattle i might have debo samuel trying to remember off the top of my head you guys Damn. you guys um well are is it time for the wide receivers are,
0: are, are uh, no, wide got, receiver i still got to talk about mike Herms. that's right Yes. So, I mean, Hey, you know, while you go ahead and look for that, I will talk about my new player that I have decided that you do not get to be smirched The name of, (laughs) I have retired the Ronald Jones, bit. I've completely given up on it, but it was suggested to me that something fun that I could do on an annual basis is pick a player that you do not be smirched. I've moved on to Devin Singletary. This is something that I've talked about on this show on other shows. I've written about this to end the year last year. What Devin Singletary was able to accomplish was just so incredible, especially just his breakaway rate, all sorts of things like that. Also, fun fact that I stumbled into looking at it over on fantasy data, he faced by far the least percentage of stacked boxes of any running back in the NFL. And I think, above anything else, that is the one thing that Devin Singletary has going for him. He is the RB1 on arguably the best offense in football we talk about it all the time well you know josh allen's the goal line back because you know and that's fair but with the amount of money he's being paid and the fact that he may have to save his body with that investment being made into him it may not be this year it might be next year but who knows he's gonna have to dial that back eventually Devin Singletary is just that dude and he's been that dude. He's always finished at least as an RB3, a pretty decent flex option every single year in his career so far and if i remember correctly finished as like RB18 to end last year to cap off that really brilliant stretch he had over the final 6 weeks of the season in which he was the RB3 overall in that time. So I'm not really that worried about James Cook. The Bills front office has come out and said, like, very early on, too. Might I add, we have, like, they have a very specific ancillary role in mind for James Cook. Now, in the future, dynasty managers out there think a little bit differently about this take because James Cook will likely evolve into something at some point. I don't know what Devin Singletary's future is in Buffalo long-term, but we're talking about 2022. I don't care about what happens in 23 and 24 and 25. Right now, as it stands, the RB1 undisputed in Buffalo is Devin Singletary He's absolutely killing it, and as long as Josh Allen's going to stay there and just be a threat to possibly break off his own run or just launch a rocket downfield to one of those receivers, those boxes are not going to be stacked against him. He'll have tons of running room, and with his explosiveness, just do not besmirch the name of Devin Singletary. Don't do it.
2: Draft him. Yeah. it's still a
1: bills running back i actually i think you make a really good point i think if you are to roster a bills running back devin singletary is the one to roster however i said this in the lead up to last year and i'm going to say it again they are like the worst rushing offense in the league they do not give their running backs a ton of opportunity it's not like they pass the ball to them a ton either and it's just a bit of a nightmare. On the other hand, if you get him cheap enough, like yeah, he can pay off as we saw him do at the end of last year. So I think your overall point does have merit. I just worry that while he does often finish as a running back three, it's maybe going to be tough for him to finish as a running back two. Uh,
0: but uh, I don't. And I will just very quickly don't say, draft
2: him as an RB two right now.
0: Exactly. So the beauty of it, that's the that
2: thing. Again, for- I he's do your think perfect curves like,
0: make some good
1: points your- because of that.
2: He's your perfect either like zero RB like hero RB or zero RB target because you can get him pretty late, um, and he's got that you know weekly upside that could that could you know really work out. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that strategy. Um, a little bit more hero RB. Then zero. And if I know everybody is more familiar with zero, so I'll just explain real quick. Um, hero RB is when you take one of the top studs in the first round, right? So you've got your locked in guy and then you wait, you build everything else out and then you start drafting the rest of your running back. So you like start going you take- after the single and the no. Gordons and the, you know, whoever, right. You know, the Naeem Hines, like those are your RB twos and threes. And you kind of, you piecemeal your RB two together and hope one lands or you find one on the waiver wire.
1: For example, you take Najee Harris, and then right. you draft Devonte Adams, Najee Brown, and Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle, Marquise Brown, and Rashad Bateman, Devonta Smith, and then you sprinkle in some Travis Etienne, some Melvin Gordon. You know, those those <laughs> were the wide receivers <laughs> I, on the roster. I, I, I with all that, that Man, that's awesome. <laughs> but my but wow, my, my that's worst, my, my worst
0: wide receiver is Sky Moore.
2: Oh my goodness,
0: that's a good problem to have. But yeah, yeah so, I'm not I complaining. Think- It's it's a good point you make, and you know RB thirty right now in the four for four ADP taking eight oh two overall. Like you, Devin Singletary, he's just there, man. Like he's just he's floating out there. You don't have to overcommit to it. But being that lead back in the number one offense, in my opinion, I think the Bills have the best offense. Like something to consider, something to think about.
1: Yes, best rushing offense. No.
0: But he was okay. We we don't have the time in the show to further debate it because we have other <laughs> positions to get to. But just to summarize once again, the running backs that we have decided to declare burp, 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 Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, and Devin Singletary just got finished talking about those three. We are now moving on to the wide receiver section, which I will start talking about first because we've we've taken turns. We've done the thing. It, it's a it's term's time to shine, baby. And, you know, who else has a really good opportunity to shine this year? His name is Michael Pittman Jr., and he plays wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. Because I'll tell you what, also something that I wrote about in my upcoming article over at Fantasy Six Pack. Dude, look at what Michael Pittman was able to do last year and then remember that Carson Wentz was his quarterback. We lament all the time just, oh, the dreaded Carson Wentz. He was not particularly great over the course of the entire season. Towards the middle, he was all right, but at the beginning and especially at the end, he, he definitely faded. But Michael Pittman was the wide receiver 17 overall in PPR last year. And what Matt Ryan likes to do more so than a lot of other quarterbacks is just lock onto this one guy in his offense. And you know, we have a tweet from Dave Kluge that I referenced and put inside the article. Matt Ryan has peppered his wide receiver one with an average of 161 targets a year since 2009 i'm not making up that number (laughs) it's just like a really real thing now does that have something to do with the fact that it was julio jones and calvin ridley for a while maybe but also mind you michael pittman was drafted it was either two spots ahead of or two spots behind can't remember off the top of my head but in that draft class with jonathan taylor his draft capital invested in him was rather high coming out of usc he was considered to be a very talented prospect his dad if we remember running back at the tampa bay buccaneers back in the day it's in his blood it's in his jeans this guy is a very talented receiver so when you just put together the fact that matt ryan historically has a tendency of just locking on to one guy force feeding that player and look at the rest of what Indianapolis has going on around him. Rookie Alec Pierce, maybe he'll become something, but I don't know. Paris Campbell, the person that we always talk about, well, if he could ever stay healthy, but he never stays healthy. And then the tight ends are nothing to write home about. The only real competition he has in the receiving game are players that play running back, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Now, Matt Ryan does have a history of also dumping off to running back, so those are names that are something to keep an eye on. Well, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, but Naheem Hines, a name that we briefly mentioned in the last segment but overall my point being michael Pittman has an amazing chance to finish as a wide receiver one this year i have it ranked that way i'm definitely banking on it and that's why i'm planting my flag where i'm planting it he's my wide receiver nine in my rankings and i don't plan on moving him anytime soon so there it is um yeah McLateral, why don't we go down to you for your wide receiver
1: yeah, I got really nothing out there. He's my wide receiver 10. I think all of that is completely spot on. Um, but you got to pay to get him. You don't have to pay a ton relative, you know, like he's still, you know, for the points per game you're expecting, he's relatively cheap.
0: Yeah, wide but receiver not, 13, uh, overall 310 in the 480 page. Throwing that out there. But he's
1: not as cheap as the wide receiver
0: 45.
1: <laughs> and that is where you can get Chris Olave. Hey, drafted number 11 overall this past year, killed it at Ohio State for years, including last year where he saw over 100 targets, average 14.4 yards per reception, had over a 20%, nearly a 21% target share the second year in a row where he had had over a 20% target share, 13 receiving touchdowns. Two out of the four years he was at Ohio State, by the way, he had 12 or more touchdowns. Uh, By the way, those were the only teams where he also played 12 or more games. The guy averages basically a touchdown a game. And we're giving him Jameis Winston's arm. Now, let me remind you of 2019, where a young Jameis Winston for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was the quarterback three at the end of the season. Just throwing it left and right. And that same year, he supported Chris Godwin, PBR wide receiver two, and Mike Evans, PPR wide receiver 15. Now, those guys, pretty good wide receivers, don't get me wrong. But is Chris Olave not a pretty good wide receiver? The dude profiles incredibly well. In fact, he profiles pretty much just as well as Garrett Wilson, the guy taking one pick ahead of him who Everyone also likes, like college teammate as well. The Saints traded up to get this guy. Like the Saints had the number sixteen pick, and they decided that was not good enough. They had to get their guy, and so they traded that sixteen, the ninety-eight, and the one-twenty to make sure they got Chris Olave at number eleven. Guys, this is their wide receiver one. All that Michael Thomas talk, push it to the side. Jarvis Landry, the dude is really reliable. I'm sure he's happy to be back in Louisiana, but like he is not a top 11 pick from this most recent class. A pretty good wide receiver class, might I add. There is so much going on in Olave's favor, and you can get him dirt cheap, and I'm even not going insane on him. I still have him as my wide receiver 28. I have him as a wide receiver three. But I think that is pretty close to his floor. I think it's nowhere close to his ceiling. This is a guy we could easily see be a wide receiver two, and could even flirt with wide receiver one numbers if Jameis plays a full season. And we could see a full season from Jameis. We really could. I think it's certainly his job to lose. And barring injury, I don't see that he loses it. So Chris Olave for me, (laughs) absolutely where I'm planting my flag
0: at wide receiver this year. And I have to point it out every time Chris Olave comes up because it's just it shows how good he was. He was playing in college with Garrett Wilson and also with arguably the wide receiver one in next year's draft class, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he was still able to put up all of that production. That's just how good Chris Olave was. Like, I, I don't know.
1: Have to and say- like, people like have this thing against people that don't early declare, and I get that, but let's be curious. Chris Olave could have early declared. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah.
2: he just chose not absolutely to. yeah um, ohio state receivers yes ohio state quarterbacks pass um <laughs> not so much nah nah we, we good there uh who do you have though joe yeah so maybe maybe a little bit a little bit more boring uh but man alan robinson I'm back in, man. I'm back in. Uh, I, you know, I know some people are just so soured off of last year and trust me, I was one of them, you know, last year going in, everybody's going, Oh, he's quarterback proof. He's quarterback proof. Might not be quarterback and coach proof. Let's put it that way. So like, that might've been the deal. And like, look, do I think he kind of gave up a little bit? Yeah. And is that a bad sign. Yeah. But now he signs with McVeigh and Stafford and he's got, cup on the other side of the field and of course that's gonna hurt his target you know because that's kind of what always bumped him up but he has never had a good quarterback never so even if he is a wide receiver two on this offense I still think he can put up easily high wide receiver two value I've got him at, and and I, and I use my half PPR rankings, by the way, I've got him at 19. I could easily throw him up at like 17, 16 range. You know, he's right there with all those guys, you know, the Waddles, the Johnsons, the Mike Williams, the Brandy cooks, the McLaurins. you could like put them in, you know, put them in a boggle container and just throw them out and just be like, all right, whichever one lands first wins. like, they're all kind of right there. And, I'm telling you, Allen Robinson's gonna Robinson's gonna have a lot of wide receiver one weeks. He's gonna be plenty, plenty good. Um, and he's one of those guys that he's one of those guys that is the reason why I'm waiting a little bit more on receiver. Like I kind of want to go grab two running backs a little early just to like get them. Because I know I can get a potential wide receiver one in Allen Robinson later on this juggernaut of an offense of the rams so i'm back in let's do it baby i don't, baby. I don't blame me,
0: dude no, <laughs> of course dude like wide receiver 22 in the four for four multi-site adp you can get him on average in a 12 team league draft at the 510 like that, that's pretty good that's pretty good like you said you can supplement some value any like around him a little bit before and then by the time you float to the end of the fifth round on average says he's still there so hey and why I, not you know and
2: i've got him ranked higher so i bet you, i go guarantee you i'm getting him a lot and i already have him a lot so me and waz drafted him i'm pretty sure in in one of the king's classics drafts at the yeah, expo yeah. so shout out
0: waz always always a <laughs> pretty good oh, guy yeah, definitely a big fan of waz so, yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at with the wide receiver position, everybody. We got, just to recap, as I've done at the end of every segment, Michael Pittman Jr. And then we got that spicy sauce on the Chris Olave take, but I love it. And the not so spicy because people really should remember the name of Allen Robinson. There we go. Those are the receivers that we are going with. Now we get into our last position of, you know, like huge importance because we will wrap up with our DST picks for those of you who play in in those leagues. And then we get the fun McLateral kicker bonus, but we have to do tight end first. That is the position that we have to go with because it's the it's the tightest of ends in terms of the uh, important skill position players that we use for our lineups. Uh, Joe, we will start with you. Who is your tight end that you have decided is going to be your guy this year?
2: So I'm gonna put a little asterisk next to this and say my tier of tight ends that I'm really comfortable drafting and I've been targeting a lot is that Schultz, Hawkinson, even the Ertz range, right? Like or uh, not, sorry, Goddard range. Like that's kind of where I'm at. Or is it? Is it? Or is it- <laughs> blank. I, on I flipped those up. They're like right there. Sorry. Yeah, it is. Got her. And look got it in her. So like, I but uh, it's, it's more it's more the Hawk and Schultz like that's where they're going. They're kind of going back to back in most drafts. Um, that's kind of where I've been going more like for whatever reason uh, I just kind of like them as like a tear break. However, if you are waiting on tight end, which I'm sure I will in plenty drafts it's Irv Smith Jr. You're bringing in McConnell. You're bringing in, you know, this new offense. We already like Kirk Cousins, right? Uh, they got Jefferson. Thielen's still there, but dude, if this guy can just stay freaking healthy, I think he's going to be amazing. I really do. Um, it just the talent is there. We've seen it in the games he plays. Definite pass catcher back, and you know, it's just even even if he's just like a sixty catch guy. I think he can be like a red zone target, you Mm -hmm. know, and he'll be like that tight end that he'll be like the Dawson Knox last year, right? Where it's like 60 catches, but nine touchdowns. And you're like, cool, I'm good. (laughs) Like, or, or like, honestly, I think he really could turn into like an 80, 85 catch guy, maybe not nine touchdowns, but like he could turn into like a real target on this team. He's just got to stay healthy. I think he's that talented though.
0: Yeah, dude. And you know, like one of the things about you know, Kevin O'Connell coming over from Los Angeles and his experience that he has, you know, working under Sean McVay, he would not be the first McVay disciple to integrate a lot of three wide receiver sets. Uh, it's something that the Cincinnati Bengals do, for example, with Zach Taylor, another one of those people that came from the McVay tree. And there is some expectation, perhaps, that Minnesota could have KJ Osborne be that guy. But Irv Smith, to your point, has the athleticism and versatility enough to possibly just be that third guy and another thing that you know tends to get lost just because we haven't seen him a ton but if i remember correctly his father and his uncle both former nfl tight ends it's it's something that
2: kind of runs in that family and the bloodline's good you know and the other thing right is like they're gonna have to keep the tight end on the field right because they still got dalvin cook they still got madison so like they can't just go three wide and just spread it out all the time or We shouldn't be drafting Dalvin Cook where he's going. Let's be real then. Like, if that's what they're going to do, then we're not drafting Dalvin Cook number two or three or four, wherever the hell he's going. Right. So, Irv Smith is going to be on the field and they're going to play action. And outside of Jefferson and Thielen, like, Smith's going to, Smith on those downs will be the guy, you know, as the third Mm -hmm. target for sure. So, I just, I don't know. He's he's my tight end 13. I I think I'm higher on him than a lot of people. So I just I just like him a lot.
0: And, and, you know, I certainly don't blame you. It's a young tight end. We haven't necessarily seen him put it all together yet, but we've seen flashes. He's my tight end 13 as well. But, you know, a lot of nice. those same descriptors that you described Irv Smith with, I think can pretty fairly be said to, you know, the player that McLateral has as his pick as well. Uh, But maybe a little bit more that we've seen in the past. And I know you've talked about it on previous episodes. So why don't you bring it up again here for the listeners?
1: What if I told you that you could draft a tight end who is a former first round pick who last year finished tight end nine in PPR, the year before finished tight end eight. Would that be something you're interested in Sure. Because that's exactly what Noah Fant is. Noah Fant is a former first round draft pick. He is 24. He will be 25 this year. He has seen 90 plus targets the past two years. He has finished as a tight end nine or higher the past two years. And in that time, his quarterbacks have been wait for it. Oh, Drew Locke and Oh, I don't know. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater? Ugh. And we're now worried that his quarterbacks are gonna be Drew Locke and Geno Smith? Like, I think the meme is same, but different, but also the same. <laughs> Nothing has changed for Noah Fan. All that has changed is the color of his uniform. That's it. Like, he still has competition from talented receivers instead of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. A little bit of K.J. Hamler, Emmanuel Sanders sprinkled in there. It's now just D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and that's kind of it. There isn't even really a great wide receiver three in Seattle. The pass-catching backs are fine, but like Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, for that matter, neither of them would be considered an elite option out of the backfield on that front. And again, all Noah Vant has done has performed well, with crappy quarterback play. So I don't get what the panic button is for. And even me, like he's finished tight end eight, tight end nine. I only have him at tight end 12, but like the average draft position has him at tight end 15. And frankly, I think that's higher than it's been the entire offseason. like according to fantasy pros and mm. really his average there is 16.5, but that ends up being the 15th highest average, you know, just because of how that all works out. Noah Fant is like playing with house money. You can get him for nothing. You can get him basically for free in your drafts. And he is probably about as close to a lock outside of the truly elite guys
0: to be a top 12 tight end this year. So why not take it? Yeah, I mean, the last two guys that we mentioned in this in the four for four multi-site ADP, Noah Fant and Irv Smith Jr., 18 and 19... off the board respectively at the 1301 for Fant and the 1304 for her smith jr on average i mean like these these are inexpensive guys you know definitely people that we have to be mindful of for sure and like you said like it, yeah he's dealt with shit quarterbacks but one of them went to seattle with him like <laughs> if he wins the job they know each other <laughs> like- hey, we're complaining about no Fant going from drew lock to drew
1: lock I don't understand it. I really don't. And like, I will tell you, like there is a serious advantage for just punning until you get fanned, Cause like that roster that I read out to you where it's like, I got ETN and I got Harris and I got all those stacked wide receivers. My tight ends know a fan. And you know what? I got him for nothing and it's great. I don't have to worry. I'm not that worried. Like, is he going to be last year's Dalton Schultz? Probably not. If I'm being honest, that's probably going to be Well, someone that we're going to talk about very soon, I think. But is he going to be top 12? Yeah. I think there's a really good chance he's going to be top 12, and you're going to have paid nothing to get him.
0: There you go. You know, and the guy that I have to talk about, definitely a little bit more expensive than these last two. But, you know, I think both of those were good calls. But uh, just, I just have to say, before I even get into my player, the tight end that I'm planting my flag in, you know, like with my heart the answer is always going to be Pat Firemouth if we're talking about from the heart, but unfortunately we have to use our brains for this exercise. So as much as I want to say, Pat Firemouth, there's a lot of other receiving options <laughs> in Pittsburgh. We're still going to root for him. Exactly. He's Luth. He's going to be doing his thing, but the more educated guests, I think, and one that I've also just, I've been super enthusiastic about this player. I have his Jersey. I've been waiting for this to happen, especially now that Jimmy Graham is finally gone. Oh, Cole, come Oh, please come on down. My good sir. Dude, I am so. OK, so like when we talk about what is sticky for tight ends year over year in terms of the things that we look at, it's not the touchdowns. Those that fluctuates so often and more often than not, the things we really have to look at are the opportunity for target volume and target share the opportunity for air yards receiving yards whatever and then just any sort of underlying non-touchdown related performance that we can look at like those are the three big things basically you have to look for a guy in an offense where the other passing options suck that has been on the field before pretty often enough to actually do something and Cole Komet definitely fits that descriptor because after Darnell Mooney I don't give a shit about anybody that the Bears have to throw the ball to. I really don't. Vilas Jones—he looked pretty decent returning kicks in the one preseason game that I saw, but that's returning kicks. You don't really get points for that in most fantasy leagues, and even then, who cares about that anyway? And then the reclamation project of Nikhil Harry and you know Equanimius Saint Brown—it's a whole bunch of nothing. After Allen Robinson left, they did not do a whole lot. So. That's where Cole Komet comes into the equation. He finished last year as the tight end 22 overall in half PPR while seeing 83.7% of the team's total snaps, the 11th highest target share, and 12th most air yards per game among tight ends in 2021. The only reason he didn't finish higher than tight end 22 in half PPR is because he scored zero touchdowns. (laughs) Like, that's it.
2: That's it. it. You know, I was on the goal, the goalpost sign before he yeah, like, said it. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, it's the only, it's the only reason. Something at some point has to break right for him in that department. And I already talked about it a little bit. Jimmy Graham finally gone. Because anytime they got in close, Matt Nagy would just sub in, you know, Jimmy Graham to come in for those opportunities. And it's not to say that Cole Komet didn't receive red zone opportunity, but not nearly as much as he could have at the, la- at different points in the last two seasons. All of his obstacles are finally gone. He's really the only other guy. It's Darno Mooney, and it's Cole Komet. Who the hell else is Justin Fields supposed to throw to? I guarantee you that Cole Komet will, barring injury, finish within the top 12 on the strength of just his volume alone. However many touchdowns he catches will be the determining factor in how high he finishes within the top 12. He could possibly even be top five when all is said and done. If he catches, let's say for all intents and purposes, eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns, it's, it's feasible. It's within the realm of possibility and four for four ADP tight end 14, just outside that tight end one range being drafted on average with the 11th, like the fourth pick of the 11th round people. Look, we talk about it on the show all the time. If you want to punt all the way to the end, we gave you two really good options in Irv Smith and Noah Fant. But if you just want to go a little bit earlier, just a little bit earlier, with a yeah. chance to maybe get a top five guy, that could be Cole Komet. You're good either way. You're good either way. So that's where I'm at with that. I I, I don't know. I mean, just Cole Komet. Thank God. We've been waiting for this. So just to recap as we do. Cole Kmet, just got finished talking about him. Noah offense, just got finished talking about him. Irv Smith Jr. just got finished talking about all three of those tight ends we are planting our flags for in the 2022 season. Now, to wrap up, we will kind of speed this part up quickly because not everybody plays in a league with uh, defense and special teams. But, you know, enough people do that, you know, we'll try and give maybe 30, 45 seconds on the teams that we selected. So I'll just start off with mine really quick. The Philadelphia Eagles start off with a fairly easy schedule. They also get to play the Commanders twice a year. They also get to play the Giants twice a year. And on top of already having a pretty good secondary with Darius Slay, They signed James Bradbury on the cheap to be their second corner. That's going to be a pretty good shutdown against opposing receivers for division matchups specifically, but even just no matter who they face. And then I think they did a pretty good job of addressing the front seven through the draft. I mean, the fact that N'Kobe Dean slid all the way down to them where he got him. And then uh, that, yeah, mm, what was yeah. that guy's name the defensive tackle the one that really that ran that really fast 40 like that guy i can't remember his name but they drafted him to you know sit and develop a little bit behind fletcher cox and even at fletcher cox's age still an effective player at least they have a guy that can rotate in for him so i mean i'm, just, I'm going with the eagles defense man like they really have a lot going for them it was a stout unit last year that did a lot for people and i don't see why they can't do it again jordan davis that's the other name there it is okay i knew <laughs> i knew i could pull it up if i look through quickly enough like they're good man they're, they're a really solid defensive unit so if you're looking to stream early in the year definitely go with them and if it keeps going for them and they pop off then good for them so uh McLateral, who do you have for your dst so
1: I like the Cleveland Browns. Uh, people have talked about it. Like the Cleveland Browns have a pretty easy schedule to start the season. Uh, they, It's not like the craziest pick. You know, there's some people that definitely rank them high. There's some people that even rank them higher than me. I have them at DST7. But you got the Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers, with who knows who their quarterback is, the Atlanta That's Falcons. <laughs> like you get a couple like rough spots after that. You get the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Ravens. But like i don't need to necessarily use them at that point i can cut bait be done with them uh and there's like talent on that defense as well there's like you know there's something to be excited about there's a chance that they can take advantage of some really easy matchups so it's not so much a full season plant my flag i would say for something like that you know i'd be much more interested in planning my flag and the bills the patriots or the 49ers, probably about the only teams that expect to keep season long if you do that sort of thing. But if I'm just looking for a team to stream real early on that's dirt cheap, I'm going with the Browns. There
0: you go. Definitely a good call on that one. Joe, who do you have as your DST unit?
2: I'm going a little... Uh post type sleeper pick i guess here uh washington commanders i mean this was a top-notch defense in in 2020 last year just completely melted like i have no idea what happened
1: well and if i, I remember think correctly then
2: 2018 also a top-notch de- defense like they yeah. kind of do an every other year thing i mean they are look they've still got the talent i mean you look at their front line i mean montez Sweat, Deion, Deion Payne, Jonathan Allen. You know, I know Chase Young is unlikely to start the year. Uh, is he actually on the pup? Yeah, they put um, him on the pup. Yeah, so, at so he's least on the pup four now. Games. So he's out at least four games. So, but I mean, like once he comes back, I mean, like, come on. that dude's a monster. We all know it. Um, but that, I mean, like the secondary got exposed last year. I think it was a lot of, there were some injuries up front. And they played the wrong, you know, they just played the wrong coverage a lot of times. Like the the coaching staff will figure this out, I think. You know, I mean, they still got some really talented guys back there. William Jackson the third, as you mentioned to me, Herm's when I mentioned them, uh, you know, in our notes. Kendall Fuller, go Hokies, got to got to do it. Uh, you, you know, go. these guys, these guys are good. Um, and you know, even a even if you don't think the secondary is good, like a an average secondary can be really good because the front. Seven is super good and this is a still very good front seven Especially when J. C. young comes back So I think we're gonna see a bit of a bounce back and they are getting drafted I mean, you don't have to draft them. You can just wait till they're finally, you know Until J. C. young comes back and goes, okay, fine I'll take him now and that's probably what you should do But I think they're going to be a very viable play uh, this season
0: and for you IDP players out there, linebacker Cole Holcomb, very underrated, very underrated. He does rack up a lot of tackles. He really does. I've I've had him on a couple IDP teams, and like hey, that always pays dividends. Also, Cam Curl, want to shout beat out for last year? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, got got to flip that out there. Yeah. So those are all pretty good picks. We got the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington Commanders, and the Cleveland Browns as our DST picks. To round it out, because uh, McLateral, you're very passionate about this. You've you've always been adamant about including some sort of kicker conversation. Absolutely. I don't have one. Joe doesn't have one, but you do. So share with us your kicker. Yes, so Jake Elliott is free.
1: Like, when I say free, I mean, we're talking about kickers. You don't have a roster more than one kicker. Jake Elliott is currently going as kicker 19 in Fantasy Pro's ADP. It's an average of 18.8. Do you know what Jake Elliott did last year? Jake Elliott was number eight in terms of points. He averaged 8.8 points per game. So about the same in terms of point per game as well. I think he technically ends up being 10 there. Um, The really, I think nine, because Dominic Everly had like one insane game for Houston. So it just counts as being number one. In terms of points per game. But really, the only guy of note is Rodrigo Blankenship having slightly better points per game. But I digress because Jake Elliott made the Pro Bowl last year. Jake Elliott uh, missed zero extra points, he missed only three field goals. He is incredibly accurate. And again, I'm, I'm describing a guy that sounds pretty good. He's going as the kicker 19 right now. Like, if you're one of those guys, it's like, oh, I literally leave my kicker till the end. This is a kicker you can leave till the end. Mm -hmm. I, like, guarantee it. And, honestly, it could have been better last year. If you took a look at the splits versus wins and losses, like, Jake Elliott's points per game is really weighed down by a couple bad losses. He scored three points in a loss to Dallas in week three. He scored... Two points in losses to Tampa Bay and Las Vegas in week six and seven and one point against the Giants in week 12. But if you average up the nine wins that the Eagles had last year, he averaged 12.33 points in those games. Pretty good. Again, you're talking about a guy who really doesn't miss coming off the best season of his career and the offense is improving and the defense is improving. Like we just talked about how the defense is someone we're interested in. We've talked about Jalen Hurts as a QB we like. We expect this team to get better. There's no reason Jake Elliott shouldn't capitalize on that and get more opportunities. So for me, he's a really easy choice. And I put my money where my mouth is. Again, that roster I was talking to you about where it's like get Noah Fant for free, load up on these wide receivers, get a couple key running backs. My kicker's Jake Elliott because, again, I didn't have to really reach for him. My defense, by the way, is the Browns. Like Seriously, I am telling you, these are guys I feel confident about, just planting my flag on, getting them dirt cheap, and then maximizing my roster elsewhere.
2: If I can take 10 seconds, I got one more. Nick Folk. Seriously, the guy finished kicker two last year, still on a mediocre offense that's going to get in enough position to... (laughs) Get, get field goals, maybe not score a lot of touchdowns, and he is not getting the respect he needs in the ADP. It's down at, like, uh, 12. I would agree. I yeah, actually have Nick
1: Folk at number five in my rankings. I have Jake Elliott at six. Yeah. I ultimately have him basically in the same tier. Yeah. So I did end up going with Jake Elliott just because Folk's age makes me just slightly nervous, especially as the Patriots offense looks maybe a little worse with Matt Patricia running it. But I think it is a great <laughs> call out. Yeah, and if I didn't have those couple things making me nervous, I don't know that I would have taken Elliot over Folk. No, I, I, right I, I, I like I
2: like your there. call. I just wanted to point that one out no, too. No, like, he's one. not getting the respect he Absolutely. needs.
0: Absolutely. And just so I'm not the only person that doesn't pick a <laughs> kicker, I'm gonna go ahead and shout out the fact that once upon a time in the past, New Orleans Saints kicker Will Lutz was somebody we relied upon fairly heavily but he missed all of last year with some sort of like weird neck injury or leg injury, whatever. Like he did, he didn't play at all last year, but whenever he's been healthy, he plays half of his games in a dome. Atlanta's also in a dome. So those are going to be more indoor games. We love that for kickers. We talked about the new Orleans offense. Jesus Christ. I'm talking about kickers. Will Lutz. That's my guy completely under the radar, but he was extremely good for fantasy once upon a time. Don't let the fact that he didn't play last year, just make him, Completely disappear from your memory. He is a pretty elite level kicker when he's out there. So there we go. We picked kickers. We got Nick Folk. We got Jake Elliott. And we got Will Lutz. Because why not? Shout out the kickers. Shout out the homie Lindellians. And shout out the listeners for sticking around for this. Longer, but very worthwhile episode of The Lateral Show, a fantasy six-pack production. Boom! There we go. Get to say that for the first time. So before we get into signing out for just the two of us who are regularly on the show, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, If, you know, people fell asleep at the beginning and just didn't, you know... (laughs) catch anything that they had to say. It's just like, who's this guy? Who's this other guy talking? I've never heard his voice before. Why don't you go ahead and tell them where they can find you on Twitter and all sorts of stuff that you're up to. Just plug your pluggables.
2: Yeah. Uh, Twitter is at F, the number six P underscore Joe. Uh, Fantasy six is what I've run. Uh, Mr. Herms is going to be part of it here. So uh, already is actually, I should just say that got a couple articles out already. We'll be bringing this podcast over to the YouTube network for us that I'm super stoked about. Yeah. So the big thing right now, right? Herms is our, is our, uh, memberships. Uh, so go check those out fantasy 6 slash plan sign up for a membership you're gonna get all of our rankings our draft cheat sheet our projections you got all of our um during the season you're gonna get our dfs tools that we've got there we've got stacking tools we've got dfs projections uh we're gonna be throwing a super duper deep waiver wire article Mm -hmm. back there too so Mm uh that by written by Mr. You know who. And if you were watching the video, you see him dancing right now. Oh, so I think yeah. you guys figure that one out. Um, and we got a whole bunch of other stuff that we're going to be putting behind there, too. So um, it's definitely worth it. The biggest draw, by the way, which you guys got to join it. If you, if you sign up is our Discord channel. You're going to get direct access to me, to Herms, to everybody else. You know, we've got we've got Dave Eddie who just racks up the money. Like if you don't follow Corporal Eddie on twitter and to see how many times he posts screenshots of his winning dfs nights it is unbelievable this guy you need to get access to him he's willing to answer any and all questions for you and just teach you at the same time so that's where it's at guys like that's where you're gonna make the money back and then some so um join it we appreciate you guys joining and uh thank you guys for having me on tonight
0: absolutely for sure it's our pleasure we are very enthusiastic about being able to you know like you said just be part of the fantasy six-pack network there and get more of our stuff out there which leads me into talking about myself before we hand it over to McLateral, because i once again want to reiterate I got some really cool stuff planned for Waiver Wire articles, some of which is going to be behind the paywall, so you do kind of have to subscribe to find more of that stuff. I'm going to be contributing that. I'm also going to be contributing some thoughts that I have for picks over at Thrive Fantasy because I have a new sponsorship deal with Thrive Fantasy. Yes, if you use the promo code HERMS when you sign up and make your first deposit, they will match 100% of your deposit up to $100. So if you put in 100 bucks, boom, you get 200 bucks on thrive fantasy it's a lot like your kind of classic dfs stuff but it's mostly just based around prop bets so if you're a little intimidated by traditional dfs experience and you just want to go with something a little bit more relaxed a little bit more familiar thrive fantasy is the thing for you once again promo code herms will get you that 100 deposit match so i'll be writing about those picks i'll be writing about the waiver wire over on fantasy six pack.net i will also be contributing my absurdity checks once again to football absurdity shout out jeff crisco he Sever- he's been on the show several times. We love him to death. But then also this the lateral show and on Twitter at Herms NFL. That is what I do. Uh yeah, McLateral. Hello. Please tell the people where it is they can find you and the things that you are up to. Well, it's
1: your boy McLateral, aka McLateral FF on the Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at McLateralFF, and you can find me on Twitter at Mac McMillan. ATL, which is my main Twitter handle these days where I'm dropping all my latest thoughts and all the latest articles I'm writing over at Tom's Guide, which is my day job. I'm a tech writer, dropping some latest news, like, do you have Android Auto in your car? Is your Android Auto not working? Well, if you read the articles I write, you might know why that is. Um, Fun fact, it's actually really not that fixable. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Google does about that. But I digress. Um, as far as fantasy goes, feel free to, you know, get in the replies, shoot me some DMS, whatever it is over at McLateral FF. I still handle some fantasy content over there, such as the lateral show, which as Herms and Joe had mentioned is now a fantasy six pack production. And I'm super stoked to join the fam on that front. Uh, and excited to, you know, join in this, uh, Thrive Fantasy as well. I actually did a couple of Thrive Fantasy articles when I was writing for Ball Blast football last year. So I can confirm that it is a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I think that is, that's really it for me. You know, just, uh, just putting my head down. Um, Apple's gonna have some stuff coming out. So that's definitely occupying a lot of my time, but the time that I have left is all about the fantasy football.
0: That it is. Yes. So make sure you tune in next week because next week we will be in video form and podcast form and all other types of forms. And hopefully it'll be a lot more effective than the Android Auto thing because that sounds like a really big problem. It yeah, really but more sounds-
1: importantly, real quick, Jonathan Garraby is kicker nine right now in my rankings. He's likely going to be the Dallas kicker. And Dallas has produced like a top 10 kicker, like, all of the past like he handful He already of years. got cut. Did he get cut?
0: Yeah, I've so been like did,
1: trying to so find did the out the other guy.
0: Brett Marr okay, is the so only guy they
1: have now. Marr's the guy. Okay, because like i have been like trying to find out if he got
2: follow the lateral on Twitter at the Lateral FF. <laughs>